Hey, it's Kate. Hey, it's Joanna. Do you like women who laugh like Roseanne? Do you like jumping in a pool full of lemon juice covered in paper cuts? Do you like loading a bowl at the end of a hard day? If you answered yes to one or more of these questions, you should listen to Butt Stuff on the Journey into Comics Network. The following is a Journey into Comics Network production. Joanna, and this is my co-host Padfoot, <coughs> and this is literature. Today we're going to talk about Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. By now I'm sure that most of you know who John Green is, either by his other books, Flog Brothers, Dear Hank and John, etc. You get the point. Turtles All the Way Down came out October 10th of this year, and let me tell you what, I was really fucking excited about it. The last book that came out was The Fault in Our Stars, and that was, what, maybe five, six years ago? So it's been a long time since we've had a new John Green book. Alright, so Turtles All the Way Down is about a teenager, Asa Holmes, who suffers with OCD. Most of her obsessions revolving around her microbiome and everything that has to do with germs. She's just absolutely horrified. And this book shows a lot of how it affects not only her, but the people around her as well. Aza and her best friend Daisy go on the hunt for missing fugitive billionaire Russell Pickett in order to claim a $100,000 reward. This ambition leads them to find Davis, Pickett's son, whom Daisy has met prior to this event. This reconnection leads them to a love blossoming between Aza and Davis. However, most of this does seem like a background story given that Aza's mental illness tends to take over her entire being, as mental illness often does. With that being said, I'm going to go ahead and read a passage from the book. Forgive me if I stutter a little bit. This part does kind of make me cry, especially near the end. So here we go. When I got home, I watched TV with Mom, but I couldn't stop thinking about Davis looking down at my finger, holding my hand in his. I have these thoughts that Dr. Karen Sai calls intrusives, which the first time she said it, I heard invasives. <clears throat> Which I like better, because like invasive weeds, these thoughts seem to arrive at my biosphere from some faraway land, and then they spread out of control. Supposedly everyone has them. You look out from over a bridge or whatever, and it occurs to you out of nowhere that you could just jump. Then if you're most people, you think, well that was a weird thought, and you move on with your life. But for some people, the invasive can t- kind of take over, crowding out all other thoughts until it's the only one you're able to have. The thought you're perpetually either thinking or distracting yourself from. You're watching TV with your mom, the show about time-traveling crime solvers, and you remember a boy holding your hand, looking at your finger. And then the thought occurs to you. You should unwrap that band-aid to check to see if there's an infection. You don't actually want to do this. It's just invasive. Everyone has them. But you can't shut yours up. Since you've had a reasonable amount of cognitive behavioral therapy, you tell yourself, I am not my thoughts, even though deep down you're not sure exactly what that makes you. Then you tell yourself to click the little X in the top corner of the thought to make it go away. And maybe it does for a moment, 
you're back in your house, on your couch, next to your mom, and then your brain says, well, but wait, what if your finger is infected? Why not just check? The cafeteria wasn't exactly the most sanitary place to reopen that wound. And then you were in the river. Now you're nervous, because you've previously attended this exact rodeo on thousands of occasions. And also, because you want to choose the thoughts that are called yours. The river was filthy, after all. Had you gotten some river water on your hand? It wouldn't take much. Time to unwrap the band-aid. You tell yourself that you were careful not to touch the water, but yourself replies. But what if you touch something that touched the water? And then you tell yourself that this wound is almost certainly not infected, but the distance you've created with the word almost gets filled by the thought. You need to check for infection. Just check it so we can calm down. And then fine. Okay, you excuse yourself to the bathroom and slip off the band-aid to discover there isn't blood, but there might be a bit of moisture on the pad. You hold the band-aid up to the yellow light in the bathroom and yes, that definitely looks like moisture. Could be sweat, of course, but also might be water from the river, or worse, still, see your purulent drainage, a sure sign of infection. So you find the hand sanitizer in the medicine cabinet and squeeze some onto your fingertip, which burns like hell. And then you wash your hands thoroughly, singing your ABCs while you do so, to make sure that you've scrubbed for the full 20 seconds recommended by the Centers for Disease Control. Then you carefully dry your hands with a towel, and then you dig your thumbnail all the way into the crack in the callus until it starts bleeding, and you squeeze the blood out for as long as it comes, and then you blot the wound dry with a tissue. You take a band-aid from inside your jeans pocket, where there is never a shortage of them, and you carefully reapply the bandage. You return to the couch to watch TV, and for a few or many minutes you feel the shivering jolt of tension easing, the relief of giving in to the lesser angels of your nature. And then two or five or six hundred minutes pass before you start to wonder, Wait, did I get all the pus out? Was there even pus or was that only sweat? If it was pus, you might need to drain the wound again. The spiral tightens like that forever. I don't know how many of you went on the Turtles All the Way Down tour, but if you did, you know that that is the passage that John Green also picked out. It's one of those moments early on in the book that gives you insight into what is going through this girl's head almost every waking moment of her existence. Aza is consumed by her inner voices, one of course being the voice of reason, the other being along the lines of a dark internal twin who never lets her have any peace. I think this is something that many readers can relate to. Um, I don't personally struggle with OCD, but I do suffer from PTSD, anxiety, and depression. I was able to see a lot of my own daily struggles in Aza. Because of this, it did kind of make it hard to read at times. It brought me to a lot of tears. It brought on a very long process of self-reflection. But it also made me feel like I wasn't completely alone. I think a lot of people who struggle in this way find it hard to feel understood. Because of these thoughts, they can make you feel crazy. These thoughts can make you feel like you're the only one with these issues. And it can make it hard to live like that day after day. And John Green captures that perfectly in this book, in my opinion. John Green does suffer with OCD. If you are a fan of his and his brother's YouTube channel, Vlog Brothers, then you have probably seen his videos discussing his mental illness. You can see so much of John Green in this book, and that's part of why it is officially my favorite book of his. Back to the topic of the Turtles All the Way Down tour, I'm gonna be completely honest. As soon as I saw the tickets were on sale, I was on top of it and bought them right away. It didn't even matter if we were gonna be broke or not, even though it was only $24, but still. Um, 
But yeah, there was definitely no way I was going to miss seeing John and Hank Green in person. I have been a Vlogbrothers fan for many years and read Looking for Alaska back when I was in seventh grade and instantly fell in love with John Green's quirky characters and writing style. But yeah, it was a night filled with many tears, a lot of laughing, and as I'm going to repeat myself again, it started with that passage that I read earlier from Turtles All the Way Down. Um, but I was kind of shocked to see how many of the audience members actually cried during that. Um, I was among them, but um, a lot of people hadn't actually read the book yet that were there, even though it came out a couple weeks earlier prior to me going. Um, but yeah, the topic of mental illness was very emotional for so many people there, and it was kind of heartbreaking and refreshing to see at the same time. And yeah, after that we got to experience Hank Green dressed up in a turtle costume disguised as Dr. Lawrence Turtleman, if I recall that correctly. Um, but he discussed a lot of animal-related topics, including the history of Atuatara, which is related to turtles all the way down. As weird as that is, Atuatara actually has a very big role in that book. Anyway, um... Then we got to listen to a live Dear Hank and John podcast, which was really exciting. Though, I have to admit, I'm not completely caught up on their podcast at all. I'm not even close. Because, ironically, I suck at listening to podcasts as I sit here talking for a podcast. <laughs> yeah, after all that, um, we listened to Hank Green play some music. John Green danced all over the stage, and that was kind of exciting to see. Um, and the night was over far too fast, and I was kind of sad to walk away from it. I wish I could relive it a bit, but, you know, that's not exactly possible. So yeah, that was the Turtles All the Way Down tour. Um, another topic that has kind of come up is that Turtles All the Way Down might be being made into a movie. Which I'm actually kind of surprised by this since Turtles All the Way Down is inside of Aza's thoughts for most of it. So how they're going to visualize OCD disorder without using most of the usual tropes found in these types of films will kind of be extremely interesting to see how they go about it. Um, Turtles All the Way Down is going to be produced by the same people who did The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns. Um, so far, I personally think they've done really well for his books. I mean... Obviously, most of the time, the book is always better than the movie, but they stuck true to most of it, and I'm hoping that they treat Turtles all the way down with the same respect as they did The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns. So there you have it. That is my spiel on Turtles all the way down. Um, I, I loved this fucking book. I would give it a 10 out of 10. I would recommend it to anybody, especially anybody with mental illness. I, it may be a difficult read. It may take a few days of just sitting it down and thinking about it, but, I mean, it's worth a read. And if you don't have mental illness, maybe it'll give you an idea of what it's like for those who do suffer with these kinds of things every single day. And if you guys are lucky, maybe you will find a signed copy still out there somewhere. Um, I actually have three signed copies, which I did mention in the first episode of Literature. Um... I pre-ordered one, got one at the Turtles All the Way Down tour, and then I found another one at Target, and I was kind of shocked to see how many signed copies they had. So go out there and search for them. They're out there. 
All right, so that is the end of episode two of Literature. I hope you enjoyed it, even though Turtles All the Way Down is about half of the words that I said. There was a lot of breathing, a lot of stuttering, but hopefully it gets better. Um, you can find my Instagram at Literature Podcast. I think that you can find my Facebook that way too. This is probably something I should have looked at prior to trying to record this ending, but we'll figure it out. We will link it. That'll make it a lot easier. So hope you guys have a good night, maybe a good day, whenever the hell you're listening to this, and uh, I will talk to you later. Bye.